Hey, vampire friends. It's another edition of the My Nights Are Booked podcast, and I'm your host, Sarah Beth Pollock. And today we're going to be talking about the newest episode of Interview with a Vampire, Ruthless Pursuit of Blood with All a Child's Demanding. It's the introduction of Claudia to our little family of Lestat and Louie. And it's also a big introduction for Bailey Bass, who plays Claudia. It's a huge episode. There's a lot to break down in it. And um, I know everybody's had some time to process it. If you have AMC+, Plus, then you've been watching this episode for the past week. And if you just saw it, uh, today is the 23rd, so you might have just tuned in tonight and seen it for the first time. But either way, we're going to talk a little bit about it. And I just wanted to share my thoughts about it. And um, this was a huge, a huge episode for a number of reasons. The first thing I wanted to talk about before we get into Claudia's introduction is how she was introduced. And at the top of the episode, you have Daniel, who is in Dubai, and he is given access to Claudia's journals. Before that happens, though, Rashid comes in and informs Daniel that they have made arrangements for Daniel to receive his infusion treatment for his Parkinson's disease. A couple weeks ago, I had talked a little bit about how I thought it was very interesting how Louis has been kind of watching out for Daniel. He knows that Daniel's sick. He knows that that he's dealing with this disease and acknowledged it in several different places in the story. I think it's interesting that he arranged for the transfusion, partly because if they hadn't, it doesn't seem like Daniel would have gotten it. He was not, he was in Dubai. He, you know, the, the transfusion was supposed to be scheduled for the, the following day after this conversation. And he's like, oh, you know, I'll take care of it. Or I'll, I'll deal with it. Like he didn't have a plan. They made a plan for him. So I kind of wonder what he would have done if they hadn't done that. And it makes me wonder about kind of where he is in his treatment plan and what he's thinking, you know, why you would think that he would be more, um, more concerned about getting his treatment on time because that's such an important aspect of any treatment plan, especially with an autoimmune disease in the middle of a pandemic. So it's interesting. And it's interesting that he kind of gets upset that, you know, that they kind of butted into his business, but at the same time, they did it to help him. So I thought that was really interesting. When he's introduced to Claudia's journals, there's tons of journals spread out over this giant ornate desk in this beautiful room with this beautiful tree. And, and Rashid reveals that these, uh, these journals have, you know, they've been, they've been there for their, they kind of represent many years of Claudia's life. Later on in the conversation, um, Louis reveals, you know, they've been collected and they kind of get into that. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think it's just, it's really interesting because at this point in the story, we leave Louis's narrative because Louis doesn't come into the story right away in this episode. He's uh, resting for the day. So everything that Daniel is discovering is discovered through Claudia's journals. So this is entirely through her standpoint. She recounts, and I think it's really interesting when he first starts reading the journal, she's recounting how she was made into a vampire. She remembers it. She remembers being in the burning building. She remembers her aunt. She remembers, you know, actually kind of thinking she was about to die and then Louis showing up. 
and eventually Lestat being there and they're in this beautiful room and she, you know, she remembers all of these things. And then she remembers this insatiable thirst. And that's when, you know, she's kind of come out on the other side. But one of the things that's interesting is the way she recounts this story of, and, and it's hard to tell how much of it is her and how much of it is the dramatization of it, but we see Louis begging Lestat to make her into a vampire. He's not initially interested in this. And he says, you know, both in French and in English, that she's too young. You don't make children vampires. It's not a good idea. You know, obviously at this point, he's already met Armand. And if Armand is the same in the series as he is in the books, he's a 17-year-old. And Claudia is, is you know, clearly a young girl. So um, in the story, in the, the TV series, she's 14. Um, but she's still young. And Louis, Louis doesn't understand kind of the implications of it yet, but Lestat does. And he doesn't seem interested in making her and, and kind of takes a front to the fact that Louis wants to change their family dynamic. But ultimately, and I think this is the really important piece, ultimately when Lestat agrees to do it, you can see that he's doing it for Louis. It's an act of love for Louis. And... So he makes her into a vampire and they kind of start introducing her to this, this, her vampire nature and everything. And she's very, very fascinated with everything, but she's, when she realizes that they can communicate telepathically, but that Lestat can't hear their thoughts, Claudia instantly refers to Lestat as the weaker one because he can't hear their thoughts. And Lestat gets angrier and angrier that he's being shut out of this conversation Knowing what we know about what's happening at this time period in their life and that this transition kind of leads to their family dynamics, ultimate demise, it's interesting that she's the one who picks up on that. And even as a child realizes that she has this power over him because he can't read her thoughts and, but Louis can, and they can communicate together and not be heard by him. So it's an interesting thing. It's a very interesting thing. But Lestat makes it known that he's not comfortable with secrets. They also don't realize, or they don't seem to realize anyway, that she's paying attention to everything. When they're in the car on their way to teach her how to hunt, she sees Lestat touching Louis. And, and she makes a note of their relationship, even though she doesn't quite understand it. And, you know, to her, it's Daddy Lou and, and Uncle Les. Technically, I suppose they would both be her fathers, but you know, she, she, she has a clear delineation between them. She doesn't see them as being in a relationship, but she knows there's something going on. She clearly understands that. And, and again, at that time period, as Louis alluded to in the, the premiere, at that point in society, and especially in New Orleans, and especially in the circles that they were in, you couldn't be an openly gay man. So they have to hide it even from their own daughter, which is an interesting thing. But she observes it. She's seen everything. And that's what you really have to pay attention to is that Claudia sees everything. And that's what makes telling this tale from her perspective so interesting because she's documenting all of this in her journals. Now, there's a lot of really fun moments in this episode. I think, I, I mean, it, it's it's definitely one of my favorite episodes so far uh, in terms of moments. I mean, having Lestat and Louis debating about whether she's wearing 
you know, the, the skirt works for her. You know, Lestat doesn't like the pleating of her skirt. And Louis says, but it's, it's chiffon. It has movement, you know, and, and, um, Lestat references her young lady's metabolism as another reminder that she is a child and she is going to be a child forever. So she's always going to have those appetites. This again, plays into things that happen later. And then there's one of the, the, the most amusing things, you know, when they're, they get into this argument and, you know, she's, she's talking to her journal and she's writing and she's you know, doc, documenting everything. And, and she sleeps with Louie, of course. And, and they, in the, the series, they, they kind of do a switch. So it's a uh, head to foot. It's not weird. And, um, they get into this argument, Lestat and Louis, and she comments that it's it's more fun when they argue in French. And she is, you know, again, just kind of documenting this whole thing. But even Lestat and Louis' arguments at that point are, you know, they're, they're arguments, but they're still filled, you know, they still say goodnight to each other. They're not bitter. They're just, you know, they're just expressing their frustrations. And again, it's a harbinger of what's coming. It's it's sad, but it's also very telling about where they were at this point in their family's dynamic. Even though there's a lot of heavy stuff in the episode, there's also a lot of lightness. You know, there, there are these, these moments that talking about the skirt coffin shopping is hilarious. That, that whole moment of, you know, Louis, Louis trying to bargain this, you know, with the, with the guy and, and, and set up the sale without him realizing that, you know, she's not actually dying. And Lestat seems to be delighting in the fact that she's so interested in this. Like he does appreciate that with Claudia, he has someone who appreciates the things that he appreciates the way that Louis doesn't. And so they share a bond that he doesn't have with Louis, even though it doesn't really seem like he's acting as a father figure. He is and he isn't. It's, it's a very interesting dynamic with, with Lestat. Uh, the movie scene is hilarious. I mean, it's it's hard it's hard not to to think about Nosferatu as you know a vampire movie and how different it is from you know Bela Lugosi and some of the other vampire movies over the years. But to see you know to see Anne Rice's vampires watching that movie in the back of the movie theater cracking up, it's hilarious. It is so hilarious to watch them and and to to get that perspective that they can't stop laughing because it just is so ridiculous. And, and I think that's just, you know, it, it's, we've seen it in other, other genres, but I love that they added that little moment because it is, it's very lighthearted. And obviously that comes before everything else that kind of takes place. But at that point in this, in the episode, Daniel takes him a break and he goes in and, and discovers that Rashid is, is praying and he wonders, you know, because he's Muslim, you know, what does, what does Muhammad think of vampires, you know, that he's serving this vampire and Rashid is kind of dodgy with his responses and, you know, doesn't come out and say anything directly. And when Daniel goes back to his work, he has a file. And if you notice how he filed these notes, they're filed under his household expenses. And, you know, like he has them hidden on his computer and the off chance that somebody were to go in and look at his notes, which is interesting. So he already knows that he has to kind of keep things 
hidden. Now, obviously, you know, if a vampire wanted to get this information, the vampire would be able to get the information. But it is worth mentioning that he's keeping these things a secret. And I think it's, uh, you know, he is making notes. He made notes about the airport, the cars that he arrived in. How come he had three cars on this exclusive bridge? Like, how does, like, how does this world work? You know, and who is Rashid? Obviously, fans across social media have been debating Rashid's true identity. Is he Armand? Is he somebody else? There is a Rashid who's referenced in the Anne Rice Vampire Chronicles alphabetary that Beckett put together. Um, we don't know who Rashid is yet. And uh, I will say that I do have an interview requested because I really want to talk to the actor who plays Rashid. But AMC hasn't set that up yet. And they usually do interviews. The way they do interviews is based on either the episode that's airing or actor availability. So I would imagine that we're going to be talking to him in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that because I definitely want to know more about who Rashid is. And I'm hoping we find out before the season finale. So after Daniel kind of makes these, uh, makes these notes, he picks up another diary. And I had seen this in several Twitter conversations. But if you look at the diary he picked up, I call it the flower diary. He opens it up and there's a crushed dried rose in the inside. If you look at what's written in there, it's different handwriting. And it's also a passage that's taken directly from the vampire Lestat. Only Lestat would know that tale. So it's very suggestive of Lestat having picked up Claudia's journal and continuing to, you know, telling his own story in hopes that, that Louis finds it. I don't know why he'd do that. There's a number of, you know, possibilities because Louis eventually uh, informs Daniel that, you know, the journals were collected over a period of time um, from all over the world, New Orleans, Paris, they, they were everywhere. And that's, it could be that Lestat was in one of those places hoping that, that Louis would follow and that he would get this note. But given that it's from, it's, it's part of uh, it's the wolf killer scene, uh, you know, when he kills the wolves in his autobiography, why he would put that particular story in one of Claudia's journals is anyone's guess. Why would he do that? So it's interesting how they're sprinkling these Easter eggs in and what they could possibly mean. And it just, it makes me wonder how it's going to change the nature of telling all of the different stories across the different books, because it is, it's setting something up. They're not just doing this randomly. There's a reason for it, but what the reason is, is anyone's guess. I would love to hear your theories because I, I, everybody seems to have thoughts on this, but it's such an interesting thing that there are all these you know, they're, they're not really hiding. They're hiding in plain sight. You know, they're not, they're not trying to make a, make a secret of it. Like it's right there. If you pause it, you can see it. So why is it there? What's it doing there? I don't know, but I, I have a feeling it's tied to the fact that Louis specifically says that Claudia's journals were spread all over the world and that he had to collect them. And I guess we could kind of jump to that piece because that was, that was a, an interesting conversation. But when Louis does show up, Daniel asks him very specifically, where were these journals in 1973? Why didn't he share them at that point? And Louis says, you know, that he, um, it would, it would have been difficult for him to do that because it's, it chronicles the, the exact moment that his daughter, he failed his daughter, you know, and, and this has to do with, with, um, 
a death and we'll, we'll get into that in just a minute, but he's like, why would I give that to a, you know, a, a juvenile reporter that I don't know? Like, why would I do that? And it's an interesting question because it means that Louis may or may not have known of these journals existence at that point. And I'm leaning towards the fact that he probably didn't have all of them. And that's why he didn't tell as complete a story in 1973 as he is telling now. But I digress. There's still a couple things that happened in the episode that I think are interesting. Louis's mom dies and Claudia notes this time as being like the end of their happy times. It is an interesting piece of, of a point of interest in the episode and, and in the series itself because it marks the end of an era for Louis. He's lost his mom. His sister is clearly older. Uh, she wants to know what's happening with the house. You know, I mean, they, they suspect that there's something going on with Louis. There's no question because he hasn't aged and everybody else has. And now he shows up at the funeral with a daughter uh, that he's adopted and he's still with Lestat and they don't trust Lestat. And so there's a lot of, I mean, there, there's just a lot of family tension, but this is a, a, a turning point for Louis as he shuts the door on his past and starts looking ahead to the future because now his mom is gone. The matriarch of his family is gone and it's, everything's going to change from this point. And that's what Claudia was kind of alluding to. Um, the other piece to Claudia's story, and, the, and it's probably the one of the most poignant pieces of the, of her whole story. And, you know, we all know that she's not able to age. They seem to do a really good job. Lestat and Louis wanted to kind of commemorate her age and her birthday by giving her, they celebrated her birthday. And she knew when she had turned 18, even though her body hasn't changed, she knew when she was old, you know, she knew that she was another year older and her mind was changing, but her body wasn't. And she uses that necklace as kind of the, the metaphor, you know, like when, when will I be able to wear this like a woman uh, who was old enough to wear a necklace like that, you know, and they, they kind of sweep it under the rug. But, you know, the fact is she is getting older, but she's not aging physically. So when she meets Charlie, the, the driver that catches her eye, um, she falls head over heels in love with him. And for her, it's an attraction that's very similar to that of Lestat and Louis and, and it's young love and it's first love and it's all of those things. And what Lestat and Louis realize is that she's been having this relationship with this boy. And when she kills him on accident, she tries, you know, the little drink and, and he, she takes his life and she begs Lestat to, to make him into a vampire, but it's too late. She's already killed him. And she's upset because he says no. And Louis's upset because Lestat is very callous and cold in this situation that's very sensitive. I mean, this is a hugely sensitive situation for a young girl to realize that, you know, not only is she, not only did she just kill the man that she loves, but there's no bringing him back. And she can't, even if she wanted to, she couldn't have done it. So there's a lot going on in that moment. And it's the breaking point, I think, to the, the peace in the house and the, the, everything after this moment changes. 
it's a powerful episode, and I have to take my my hat off to Bailey Bass, who plays Claudia. You know, Bailey is, it's interesting because Bailey is starring in this role, and she had also filmed the next Avatar movie. So even though she's not, you know, she hasn't really done much that, you know, that we've been able to see, her career is about to take off. And so, and, and largely from this role as Claudia, a very memorable role. And what I love is that we, there are other points in the extended universe where she can come back and play this role. So it's not like we have to say goodbye to her at the end of interview with a vampire. There are points where she pops up in the vampire Amand in Merrick. There's, you know, there's places where Claudia comes in and there could be flashbacks and you know, there's plenty of places for Claudia to pack up, to pick up again and to show up. But she really, really nails this role because not only does she kind of capture that, the incessant thirst that a child vampire would have, she also manages to, you know, to kind of show the maturity of her mind as well, you know, that she recognizes that she's different and she wants to rectify that. So she does that by wearing different clothes and trying to use different words and try to act a different way when she can't do anything, you know, to her physical stature other than wear, you know, more mature clothing. So Bailey's performance is incredible. And this episode just gives her the spotlight. And again, because it's Claudia's point of view, it is a very different voice throughout the episode. But I think it's really interesting because she sees so much of what's going on between Lestat and Louis. You know, when she gets her own coffin, she sees them sneaking into each other's coffins. And you even hear Louis say how much he missed Lestat and he missed, you know, they missed being together. Which, you know, I'm sure, you know, I don't have kids, but I can imagine, you know, parents that are raising kids, you know, like they, they love those moments when they have that, the time to be intimate and the time to kind of sneak away from the kids. And so being able to, to have those moments, you know, as she's getting older and as she has her own room and as she has her own coffin, it shows a side of them. I mean, you can even see it in the way they dress. All of a sudden they're not dressing as flashy. They're a couple. They've been together for, you know, at this point, years. So they don't have to dress to impress each other. They're wearing sweaters. They're wearing, you know, kind of more demure dad clothes, if you will. So I thought this episode was really interesting, you know, from that perspective also, that it, it really shows the passage of time and how they adjusted in their own lives. And given, you know, what we know about these characters, you know, Louis is very content to have this, this family life. Lestat seems to be happy, but he also, and, and I think the one thing that Claudia does for him is that Claudia gives him a companion who's willing to go out and do all of the things that Louis doesn't want to do. You know, she thrills in hunting. She thrills in physical things. She likes the dresses. She likes the clothes. She likes the, you know, she likes these things. And so they can share those moments together. You know, he teaches her how to drive, which is adorable. How, you know, I wouldn't have expected him to do that, but it makes perfect sense. And, and she responds to that. And I, I think there's something to that, you know, that she brings out different aspects of their personalities. 
as we know, that's going to shift very quickly. Some of you have seen the next episode because it's uh, it's available on AMC+. Plus. Uh, I'm not going to get into the next episode just yet. There's a lot to unpack in that. Um, but it does continue this, you know, Claudia's story and what their lives are like after Claudia comes into their lives. So uh, the story is evolving. Um, I would expect this week to have the next screener available because it'll be available next week. And, you know, so for the sake of interviews and all of that, I think we'll be getting it this week. And I'm really curious because there's only two episodes left after 105. So there's a lot that's left to happen and a lot that could happen. And, uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm ready to, to get some big surprises in these next couple of episodes. So I am, I'm loving the show. You know, I, I, you all know this, like I've, I've, uh, I've seen the first five. I saw them a while ago. I love where they're taking the story. I'm really curious how it's going to develop and what they're going to do with it. Um, there are some, you know, there are some changes, but it's also in keeping kind of with the larger focus of the story. So I'm just, I'm really curious to see how this ends up. So Thank you as always for following with along with me on this journey and listening to this podcast. And I thank you all for the, the likes and the subscriptions and the reviews and all of that. Thank you for the support. And uh, be sure to check over on what to watch this week. I have an, inter- uh, an interview coming out with Radon Chong, who played Louis' mom, Florence de Pointe-du-Lac. Uh, that will be available this week. And it was a fascinating conversation. And uh, so we'll have more of that. And breaking news, I will be having a member of the cast on the podcast. So I'll have, I'll, we're getting the schedule worked out and then I'll be able to tell you who it is and when to expect that episode of the podcast. So there's lots of really exciting things coming to the My Nights Are Booked podcast. So please stay tuned. And thank you so much, all of my vampire friends for listening. And we will talk very soon.